You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Podcast. Find out more about Northside by visiting us online at northsideweb.org. Good morning, Northside. This is the beginning of a brand new year, and so we're going to do a brand new series starting today and through the month of January, and it's going to be titled, entitled, God Never Said That. You would be surprised how many beliefs out there are not true. And yet people believe them and they buy into them. And uh, we really want to stand on the truth of the gospel. Now, you want to present that with truth and grace, and that goes together. But there's a lot of things that really affect people. For instance, um, people say, well, um, God will never give you more than you can handle. Really? Did you know that God never said that? Some people think, well, God wants wants to make sure that you're happy. God never said that either. Or, um, well, all you have to do is just be good. And that's how you get to heaven. You'd be surprised. God didn't say that either. Or um, there's, there's a lot of those kind of things that just people just kind of buy into, and, and yet they're really not true, and it really affects their belief and, and even their behavior. Um, has someone ever said to you, well, you may not be going through a storm right now, but sooner or later you will? Well, did you know that that's a true statement? Because bottom line is, life is hard, life is difficult, storms do come our way. That just means you're part of life, and that it takes faith to endure some of those things. Um, If you're not having a difficult time right now, like at your job, with your spouse, your kids, your school, different places, your health, um, that usually means that there's a storm on the horizon. Well, that's just part of life. Um, Finances are drying up. Maybe a loved one got a bad report from the doctor. Uh, Maybe your marriage has fallen apart. Maybe you're battling depression or uh, anxiety or some problems like that. Maybe uh, your relationship with your parents continue to weaken or maybe they're on their their deathbed. Um, But but just, just problems like that and they keep on coming and you almost get to the place of despair. And then somebody comes along with well-meaning advice, and they say something like, oh, don't worry, everything will be okay. When God closes the door, he'll open a window. You ever heard that one? Well, God didn't say that either. You know, it's like if God closes the door, as human beings, we want to find a way around that. Well, God's going to open a window. God never said that. What happens if you happen to be on the 10th floor? Okay, that's probably not good, right? Um, But people, they're well-meaning, and they say things like that, and it doesn't really ultimately help us in our understanding of that. So look at this. If you don't leave your past in the past, it will destroy your future. Live for what today has to offer, not for what yesterday has taken away. Somebody might even say, remember, God helps those who help themselves, right? We've heard that. Did you know that really is the ultimate opposite of the gospel? The gospel is God helps those who can't help themselves. That's why he saves people, because they can't do it on their own. Um, But, you know, talk about unhelpful. You know, if you're really trying your best, and say, well, God helps those who help themselves. That really doesn't help too much. In fact, a lot of times we kind of mess up, don't we? Listen to this. It was on Yahoo Sports News. The headline read this, six future first-round picks have already been traded. Now, I understand this is an illustration more for the men, but this headline, get this, was posted October the 16th, several months ago. The NFL draft does not happen until April, like, 23rd, 25th of this coming year. So six months in advance, here's what happens. The Jaguars now have the Rams 2020 and 21 
first-round picks in exchange for Jalen Ramsey. The Dolphins now have Texans 20, 20, and 21 first-round picks in exchange for Laramie Tunzel. The Dolphins also now have the Steelers 20, 20 first-round pick in exchange for Minkoff Fitzpatrick. The Raiders now have the Bears 20, 20 first-round pick in exchange for Khalil. Now, here's what they were doing. The teams felt like they're missing something right now. So we're going to trade away something that we know we have in the future so that we can put the pieces together right now. Now the problem is, we do that too. How many of us are are trading things that we ultimately want long term for something we think we want right now? And we absolutely trade away our future as a result of that. Um, By the way, those teams that I just mentioned, I looked it up this morning, um, they are 18 and 30. They've uh, lost almost twice as many games as they have won. So evidently, the pieces they tried to put together weren't the pieces that really ultimately were going to help them for right now. And so it's a lie. The number one the thing that gives people so much false hope is something that I want to deal with today, and here it is. God will never give you more than you can handle. Because a lot of people believe that. And you know what? God never said that. He never said that he would give people more than they could handle. That is, uh, that's wrong. If it's wrong, why do so many people believe it? Well, I think it may come, may come from a misinterpretation of a Bible verse. Here's the Bible verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, let's, Let's read this together, okay? No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Now, God does not say that he won't give you more than you can handle. What he does say is that you won't be tempted beyond that point that he gives you a way out of that story. So God never said he's not going to give you more than you could handle. Okay, you got that? You got that in your mind? That isn't just think so. That is proven out in biblical characters over and over again. For instance, Job. Job had everything. He had wealth, he had several children, a good family, he had uh, houses and land, cattle, and uh, one day everything just kind of fell apart. His children all died when the house collapsed. uh, The cattle all all died. Uh, He then got uh, horrible sickness and disease, and and so he had absolutely everything. But but God, um, he remained faithful to God, and ultimately, God restored everything back to him and then some. Uh, Let's look at Gideon, for example. He's another example. God went to Gideon and said, Gideon, I've chosen you. I want you to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of the Midianites. Now, the Midianites had a huge army. And here is what Gideon said. Gideon said, pardon me, my Lord, Judges chapter 6, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. So in other words, what he's saying, hey, God, you got the wrong man. I came from, I'm I'm from the smallest tribe. Okay, you got that, God? And in that smallest tribe, I also happen to be the weakest guy in the whole place. It's like, you got the wrong man. It's like, no, God's got the wrong man. It's like, you give me more than I can handle. I can handle it, God. And so you know what happens? Gideon shows up. You know with how many men he showed up in that army? He shows up with 32,000 soldiers to go against the Midianites. And you know what God says? You have too many. So tell the men, anybody that doesn't really want to be here, they want to go home, just go home. 
You know how many people left? 22,000 soldiers. It's like, okay, well, we still got like 10,000 people. We're good. And God says, you got too many. And God whittled it down to 300 to go against the Midianite army. You know why? Because Gideon, it's not about you. It's not about your army and how many people you have. It is about me. I'm going to save you. Uh, let's take another one. Moses, for instance. God speaks to Moses in the burning bush. He says, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of Israel, or, or uh, the Israelites out of Egypt. Now you've got to understand, Egypt was the most powerful nation in all the world. And he says, Moses, I want you to lead them out. And so it's not like sneaking a couple of people out of Egypt. There's two, an estimated two million Israelites in Egypt. And so he has to go before uh, Pharaoh. And you know what Moses says to God? Look in Exodus chapter 4. Pardon your servant, Lord, for I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So Moses was afraid. He didn't want to go. God, this is more than I can handle. And he ultimately tried to get somebody else to go do the job for him. It's more than I can handle. King David. King David dealt with a lot of storms in his life. Most of them were self-inflicted. And here's what David said in the book of Psalm chapter 38. Because your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in the bones of my, because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. God, God I can't handle this. I am feeble and I'm utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. In other words, he's saying, God, this is more than I can handle. Let's move to Jesus. Jesus is perfect, right? Do you know when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying and he was sweating, as it were, like great drops of blood? Here's what he said in Mark chapter 14. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You know, kind of like what he's saying? It's like this pain is more than I can endure. It's more than I can handle. So, so when, when you say, well, God's never going to give you more than you can handle, that God never said that. And you can see a lot of biblical examples where that is the case here, that God does allow things to happen more. So please understand that when people say that, that is not true, correct biblical doctrine, all right? Because God does allow you to have more than you can handle. Now, so then the big question, if God allows that, why? Why do I have to endure more than I can handle and let me give you two reasons here this morning. I think they're both very biblical. Here's number one. He wants us to depend on his presence. Because if you could handle everything that you were given, why do you need God? Why? But if you're given more, then you have got to go to God because you've got to expect on him. And sometimes we don't. We just depend on our own abilities to do it. One, one fellow said, you know, when he was growing up, they would take family pictures, and he would always come up and said, I look horrible in family pictures. And his dad would always say the same thing. If you want a better picture, bring a better face. <laughs> and he said, said what he came to realize was that it wasn't the camera's fault. It was his fault. And it wasn't so much the look of his face. It was his attitude and his poor attitude at that. And so he said his dad was really teaching him something really kind of deeper uh, in a sense. And so if we want a better picture of life, maybe we all need to bring a better face, okay? And a better face may happen to do with our attitudes. We ought to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. We ought to have the fruits of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. And all of a sudden, we got a whole lot better look 
about ourselves. So talk about a game changer. So many people start to question God in a storm. You know, God, life just isn't going the way that I thought that it would, God. God, if you were with me, this wouldn't be happening. Uh, I don't understand, God. Why are you allowing this? I, I prayed for one thing, and I'm getting something totally different. God, I don't understand. Uh, now, so if this is you, please listen to this. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Because God promises to be with you. And just because you're going through a storm, that does not mean that God is not with you. He has made that promise. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That is reiterated for Christians in the New Testament. Look at Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. In fact, the New Testament goes on to teach us there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Look at Romans 8. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why would God allow us to experience things in our life that are beyond what we can handle? It is so, number one, we can experience the presence of God because we need God in our life. Uh, look at Psalm 148 or 145. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Some of you are going through some horrible storms right now. Some of you have come through 2019 as one of the worst years of your life. And God says in the scriptures, you draw near to him and he will draw near to you. That's a promise that he has. So he wants you to experience his presence. That's why we go through some of these things. Here's number two. He also wants us to experience his power. Because I'm not so sure that we really totally rely on him and his power until it's more than what we can handle. Um, now, please understand, we are not created by God to handle everything that comes our way. We are created to depend on God. And so when we figure that out, that relieves us of a lot of stress and anxiety and problems because, because we realize God didn't really create us to do everything. Um, you know, and when you recognize that God didn't, doesn't expect you to handle everything, it's then that you experience his power in a whole new way. Do you remember uh, when the Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh? We're never told what that thorn in the flesh was. Probably not, we're not told because everybody that has something that goes wrong, they can identify with Paul's thorn in the flesh, whatever that was. Did you know that Paul prayed three times to be delivered from that thorn in the flesh, whatever it was? He said, God, take it away from me. So it wasn't something he didn't like. It was something that hurt him, something that said, God, please take it away. Three times he prayed for him to take it away. Now, I may be going out on a limb here, but I would almost kind of think if God would like to heal anybody, it might kind of like be the Apostle Paul because of everything that he did. Uh, he was super faithful. He wrote most of the New Testament. He endured beatings and shipwrecks and imprisonments. And it seems like Paul kind of like he deserves to be healed. 
And yet he prays three times, and that thorn in the flesh is never, ever taken away. God, it's more than I can handle. But somebody says, you know, you get relief one of two ways. Either removing the load or strengthening the shoulders that bear the load. Now, there'll come a time in our life that we will also, probably every one of us, have a thorn in the flesh that will not be removed. And why, you know, we, we say things, well, God, why can't you just take this away? Why can't you answer my prayer, God? Uh, why, why can't you heal me of, of this depression? Why, why can't you take my child and turn them back toward you instead of them going their, their way? Uh, why, why can't you help us ever to get ahead financially? Why, God, do we have to go through all of those things? Uh, why, why don't you just show up when I need you the most? And so sometimes we, we realize that that thorn in the flesh is not going away. You know what Paul said? Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God was speaking to Paul. He says, you know, my grace is all you need. So listen, we can't experience God's power, his sufficient grace, until we acknowledge in our, our own insufficient weaknesses. He's just like, we've got to recognize that. So that then we can depend on him and it's God's power in our life and not our own. Um, we all have weaknesses. We all have areas in our life that we wish we were better, that we wish we could do something better. For. Take me, for instance. I wish I was a better speaker. I really do. It's like I, there are things that I know that I do wrong and I wish I didn't. For instance, I have told myself a million times, slow down. Right? You think I would slow down. You think I would learn that lesson. I don't. And I might start slow, and then I'm just right off to the races every time. I wish I could slow down, but I just don't slow down. I wish, um, I wish um, I was a better storyteller. Sometimes you, you listen to some preachers, and they just pull you right in with a story, and you're like you're hanging on every word, and they have you engaged, and they say, it's like, I wish I could do that more. I think sometimes I'm a better teacher than I am a, a, a preacher in that regard. I wish I didn't sound like a, a redneck when I talk, because I do. And it's like, you know, it's just the, the way it is. But whatever your weakness is, whether you're shy or quiet or you have anxiety or you have cancer or diabetes or you're struggling with a, a learning disability, whatever your weakness is, when you give it to God, God's power is made perfect in weakness. Um, Paul finally realized this truth. Look at what that verse goes on to say. Let's pick it back up in verse 9, the end of that. Therefore, I will all the more gladly uh, boast about my weaknesses so that in Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Let's, I want everybody to say that together with me. Uh, let's say it together. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's say it one more time. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's like we got to learn that because God didn't say you're never going to have more than you can handle. You're going to get those times. You're going to get those storms. And he says, my power is made perfect in weakness. When you're weak, then you're strong and you're strong through him. Let's illustrate it this way. There's a difference between a kayak and a sailboat. Got a picture of a sailboat. When you're on a sailboat, you lift, you lift the sails and the wind takes you, right? It is the, the power of the wind. 
The kayak, on the other hand, if you look at the kayak, you get in the kayak and you're like right there next to nature as well, but you're doing all the paddling. Now, here's the difference. When you're doing all the paddling, you are in control. You can go wherever you want, but sooner or later, you may go through rapids. You may be going against a stream, and you have to do all the power yourself. And sooner or later, you're going to get tired. You're going to get exhausted if you continue to, to paddle. It's like you need, you need respite. And so if you get out of that ca kayak and you go out the sailboat, you lift the sails, and the wind takes you. Now, let's illustrate that as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to take you. You don't have any control over the direction that that wind is going to take you. Now, you can adjust the sails. You can steer the rudder. But it's the wind that's going to take you. And I think as Christians, we've got to come to that place where we get out of the kayak. We get out of saying, i got to be in control. And i got to do everything in my own power. And say, God, I'm going to get into your sailboat. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit blow me where you want to, to take me in my life. Uh, because I think that's absolutely critical uh, in life. You know, John. Ortberg, a writer, he said something very similar. He said this, I can run a motorboat all by myself. All I have to do is start the engine. I am in control, which is the same for a kayak. We're the engine and we're the ones in control. But John continues, he said, but a sailboat is a different story. I can hoist the sails. I can steer the rudder, but I'm utterly dependent on the wind. My job is simply to do those things that will enable me to catch the wind when it comes. That's why God wants us in the sailboat instead of the kayak. He wants us to rely on His presence and His power rather than our own. You know, this is, this is 2020. It is the beginning of a brand new year. And, uh, and, and a couple of weeks ago, I thought, it's not just the end of a year. It is the end of a decade. And so we begin a brand new year decade into the 20s, the 20, the roaring 20s, right? And so what I did is I went back over the last 10 years and just looked at some of the highlights that we have done at Northside Christian Church. And sometimes, you know, things happen so slow you don't recognize what God is doing and where he's taking you. But I, 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 want, I wrote this in the newsletter article, so maybe you saw it in the newsletter. If you haven't, uh, you can get a copy of this. But it, it's absolutely amazing. It's, it's even miraculous to some degree. Listen to this. Literally dozens of mission trips involving hundreds of our own members uh, over the last 10 years that have impacted people all over the world. Did you realize we have built three churches in a foreign country? As a church, we have visited every missionary that we support financially, except for one, and he wasn't in the country at the time. Um, we have dozens of outreach opportunities here at home. We do things like Operation Shoebox, Operation Christmas Child, The Giving Tree, Homeroom Hope, the Northside Compassion Week, Jesus Prom, the, new, uh, the Food Pantry, the Home Essentials that have helped people in our own community and throughout all of Medina County. Literally hundreds, hundreds of volunteers are involved every single week at Northside Christian Church, serving in hundreds of children's programs, Bible studies, discipleship groups, services rendered, sermons preached would have led uh, to over, did you, oh, last 10 years, over 1,000 decisions for Jesus Christ, which I think that is amazing. Northside's ministry has led many, many young people to become more passionate about serving Jesus Christ in ministry. That has also led to we have hosted, housed, and trained several interns, 
leading them toward full-time Christian ministry. Northside has ordained several of our own members into full-time Christian ministry in the last 10 years. Literally thousands of prayers and visitations have been offered for the sick, the, those in the hospital, the shut-ins, and our widows. We have given not only thousands of dollars to help better the lives of people and reach out with the gospel, but sharing, collecting, distributing food, clothing, medicine, medical supplies to not only the needy here in Medina County, but ultimately all over the world. In fact, several years ago, I think it was like eight years ago, we even collected, packed, shipped, and personally dispersed over 280,000 meals to a village in Africa that would feed that village for three years. Literally millions of dollars have been given. Get this, last 10 years, just the mission part of our giving. We've given over $3 million, just a part of that. $3 million has been given to the work of Christ through our missions work to feed the poor, to house the homeless, to close the needy, to spread the gospel throughout the whole earth. We are now supporting 40 missionaries all over the world. And now God is multiplying our effort as we have just started the church in Medina. Uh, we have launched our very first multi-site campus in Medina. The long-awaiting dream finally came true. Years of faithful and fruitful service have been honored and blessed by our almighty God. We believe that God is going to bless that church in Medina and it's going to multiply everything that has been done here at this church in the last 10 years for a greater impact in Medina County and ultimately around the world. And only God can truly measure the impact that Northside Christian Church has done in the last 10 years uh, because that's going to be measured in eternity. And I believe our best days are yet ahead of us. You know, but, but uh, you know, sometimes I feel like Gideon. Oh, God says, oh, you got too many. Let's prune here and let's prune there. Let's send this person over here. And, there. and it's like, you know, it's like because if we had all the numbers that we wanted, then it's about us and it's about what we can accomplish. And God says, uh-uh, no. It's about him, it's about how his power, it's about his Holy Spirit, about his word, and he will give the increase. And so I think, man, those days are exciting because if God has been faithful like that in the last 10 years, I have no doubt he's going to be faithful like that in the next 10 years. And I think that is something that excites me because I think the best days of Northside Christian Church are yet ahead of us. Uh, God is faithful, and he will continue to be faithful. The truth is, sometimes God does give you more than you can handle. But he does that so that we have to depend on him, his presence, and his power in this church, in our lives, in our families. And we do that, good things are going to happen. Sometimes we look and say, well, you know, we really can't tell how we're changing because we see ourselves every day. But some of y'all, you look back at your high school yearbooks, you've changed a lot. And see, the same thing, the church also has, God has done amazing, miraculous things. But it's because of him. It's about his presence. It's about his power. And I believe the next, ten, the next decade is going to be just as good, if not better. Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you for the moments that we share together as a body of Christ, as a family. God, we want to stand on the truth. We know your word is truth. And God, but the truth is, sometimes we just kind of grow up and we accept things that we've always heard as the gospel truth and they're not the truth. And uh, God, we don't want to we don't hurt people, we don't alienate, we don't want to run away, but we want them to know the truth. And God, so help us to know today that uh, you do allow us to have more than what we can handle. Because the truth is, if we could handle it, then we wouldn't need you. We don't choose those storms, but they come as a part of life. And when those storms are more than we can handle, God, I pray that you cause us to experience your presence 
and experience your power in a very real way that will make a difference in this coming decade for us, our lives, our children, and our church. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.